Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as you listen in. We start in 321. Praise the Lord. It is a joy to be here. I was saying earlier on this is the first time I've been inside uh, Karura uh, Community Chapel. Um, I came as far as out there, so it's a joy to be with you today. And I just want to appreciate the senior pastor and the pastor team um, for giving me the opportunity to speak today on this very special day, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day! Yes, let's shout and shangilia for the mothers. Hallelujah. Well, let's get straight to the word of God. I want us to open to um, Philippians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 5 to 11. And the title of our sermon is, Have Faith in God. Have Faith in God. And that's a statement we want to begin by just telling our neighbors so that it's, it sinks there. Have faith in God. Whatever you came, wherever you came from, whatever you're facing in your lives right now, whatever you're going through, my word to you today, and especially to the mothers, in this daunting but joyful responsibility we have, have faith in God. Amen. So let's open to Philippians 3, 5 to 11. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And the context of this is Philippians, of course, is called the book of love. It is replete with joy and exhortation to love, to be joyous, even in difficult situations. And there was a bit of problems there in that the Jewish people um, were asking the Gentiles, who are the majority in the, Philipp the church in Philippi, um, to add to the requirement of just faith in God. They were talking about being circumcised as being needful in order to be accepted, to, uh, accepted by God. So here you see Paul saying, you know, if there's anyone who has justification to stand and say, I had it all so I could stand on these things, I am the one. So we begin from the passage, of the, uh, the passage we'll read to see the kind of things uh, Paul could uphold before he tells us it is only by faith in God. I was circumcised when I was eight, eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who, who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I was harshly persecuting the church. As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on myself, my own righteousness, through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power 
that, that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing his death, so that one way or other I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Cause it to be light and life to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to tell your neighbor as I open the presentation in PowerPoint, uh, buckle up, we are going for a ride. Buckle up, we are going for a ride. Hallelujah. When you contemplate the man who has just spoken these words that we, we have just read, you, you must stand amazed. The thing that comes to mind as I meditated on this passage was where Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God, which is the only message he talked about. And he was saying nothing compares to the new life that is in Christ. How it is that a man found a land and found a treasure in a land and goes and sells everything that he had and to come and buy this land that he has found. In this passage, we realize that it is only through, through faith in Christ that, that, that we come into alignment with God. You see, Paul had reached a place where he was so persuaded that this way of the Lord was rubbish. And he saw himself as, even if no one else will take on this, I will take it on alone. So breathing fire, he called people out of homes, out of churches, out of places, even to try and annihilate the Christ, the Christ followers. He pursued it with single-minded focus, with such zeal. And then you know about the Damascus experience, how it was that along that road of Damascus, carrying letters in his hand to do what he has been doing with zeal, the Lord arrested him through a bright light that blinded him. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he knew that was the voice of the Lord. He said, who are you, Lord? And it's, he said, it is me, Jesus, that you are persecuting. And you know how it was that he went into Damascus and met Ananias, the priest, and he was prayed for and he came to him, himself after the, the three days. And how after that he became the, the, the most zealous apostle there was, writing 13 of the, of the 27 New Testament books that there are. A man who went on to do exploits for the Lord. I mean, you see that and you know that this encounter is not to be taken for granted. As he says, have faith in God. As we say, have faith in God today. This is where we are looking to. I want to say that it is very easy to talk about having faith in God. And wonder, have you come into that faith? And I'll be pausing that question at the end of our time together. Paul comes to the place where he is even willing 
to suffer with Christ. He is willing to die for Christ. He's willing to die with Christ so that per, per chance he may experience the resurrection of the dead. But I want to ask us, why faith in God? I have a few points I want to make here because in case you're not persuaded that this is the appropriate title for Mother's Day, I want you to hear it from the preacher this morning. The first thing is that it is the only means that God makes us right with, that, with, with himself. We've just read that in, in, in verse 9c. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 would say, By grace we have been saved through faith. And this is not our own doing. It is the gift of God, not because of works, lest anyone should, should boast. It is the only means that we get, by the only means that we get eternal life. That which is the life of God in us to live forever but even to enjoy it here. We know the famous scripture that all of us must know because we either went through Sunday school or have caught it along the way. John 3:16. let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It is the only means of becoming a child of God, aligning with God, having the life of God in us, but also having the privilege of being a child of God. Behold what manner of life that God, of love is this, that God should call us his children. First John chapter 3 verse 1. And so we are when we have faith in God. It is the only way of, of guaranteeing or accessing what we have in Jesus Christ through the things we've talked about. It is only through faith that we come in and it is only through faith that we access everything that God has for us. Deliverance, provision, wisdom, and the list goes on to everything that we need for life and for godliness. It is the only means by which we have fellowship and intimacy with God the Father and God the Son. You know, in my quiet time, I'm reading First John. And the thing that is really, it's really talking to me about is through faith in God and through working out that faith in love. There is the assurance of this fellowship, this fellowship with the Father and the Son. That is guaranteed, not occasionally, but continuously, even as we walk with him. It is the only way we overcome this evil world. And for me, who works in a rehab program, I can tell you this is our scripture. There have been those who have said, you know, you can get uh, deliverance elsewhere. But I know that through Christ, we have the victory. Ours is a one step to freedom. Not the 12 steps, but the one step, Jesus Christ. And it is faith in Jesus Christ. And it is in faith, in, in this faith, that we are shielded from the fiery darts of the enemy. Do you know that? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, the shield of the, of the spirit, of the shield of faith that, that keeps us safe. We go on, go on to understand it is the only means, faith is the only means through which everything is possible. When Jesus walked on this earth, he constantly said, 
It is, it, you, it, you will get anything by faith. According to your faith, it will be done. You remember when the, the disciples were coming, um, uh, uh, walked and found this fig tree that didn't have fruit. And he said, you know, have faith in God. If you have faith, anything is possible for you. And it is continuously uh, here and now for us. It is the only way we get to know who we are, what we were prepared for, and even to fulfill the purpose for which we are here on earth. It is the only way we leave a lasting legacy for those coming behind us. You'd remember Lois and Eunice who came before Timothy and the words that Paul speaks to Timothy in reference to them in 2 Timothy verse 1 to 5. But the greatest one, although with God nothing is impossible, here is one that, that contradicts that. It is impossible to please God without faith. Those are 10 points that I want us to take home. And I want you to turn to your neighbor. What did you hear? Why should we have faith in God? Tell them something you heard. Just to, to make sure we are tracking. Hallelujah. What did you hear? What has come home? What has persuaded you that you must have faith in God? That it's not something that is a by the way, but the way. <laughs> the only thing. You see, because this is the way God designed life to be lived, it is your best life. And on Mother's Day, today's Mother's Day, there is no greater invitation than that you should be invited to arise to live your best life and influence those around you to do the same. Hallelujah. Let me talk about my journey of faith. I was 19 years old. When I had finished Form 6, those days we had Form 6. <laughs> it already dates me. And I was walking home from a movie with a friend. And as I, as I neared home, I had a definite word to my spirit. And like Paul knew that it was the Lord who spoke to him, I knew it was the voice of the spirit. And he said, I want to give you peace. And I wondered, I want to give you peace. See, I'm a fourth generation Christian. So there were not really issues at home. I mean, we had Bible study every Thursday. I sang in the All Saints Cathedral Choir. Um, my dad was an eight to five, you know, like he would clock in. And to this day, I don't know dad's other friends out there because we are his friends, you know, like we are A to Z to him. My mom was the manager of the ACK guest house. I mean, so we had a very protected life. So I wondered, and the voice came again, I want to give you peace. But you know, I said yes to that voice. And for those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you know the peace that comes into one's heart when you say yes to him. And that flood entered my heart that day, and I knew that I was born again. And I wish I could stand here and tell you, and that has been, that was how it was to the point that I'm standing here. But someone did not give me the full script because I didn't understand that it was not to come into faith and remain there just like that. But it was to allow God to transform me by the renewing of my mind so that I could prove his good, perfect, and pleasing will. 
It was also that I should recognize that the members of my body needed to be offered to him daily to be instruments of righteousness. Because who, who doesn't know that this, the power of the enemy is all around us? In fact, the moment you make that decision to follow Jesus, he is on your case to try and derail you. And try and derail me, he did. Because going into college, there was a myth, a misconception, I don't know what to call it, a, 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 an untruth that was going, making its rounds, and I don't know whether it's still in colleges now, but people said, yeah, you be friends with Christians, but please do not marry a Christian man. You will be bored to tears. <laughs> Did you ever hear a lie from the enemy like that? Oh, it's still doing its rounds. Oh my goodness, I'm here to, dis I'm here to destroy that one. But I believed it, hook, line, and sinker. So when this man, you know, in medical school comes and he's six foot, well, he's not six foot, let me not say, but tall, dark, handsome, six pack, playing for Gormahia. You know, if, if you heard about the match that was played in Sudan where he scored two against, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Luya team, you know, that, that was my husband, hallelujah. <laughs> you know? And it was love at first sight. You know, you come into the dining room and away, he's there and wah, okay. <laughs> well, they say the rest is history, but I should have been running in the other direction because he was not born again. I should have known better <laughs> than to allow love to seep into my heart. And when three years later, as you know, you know when you relate with a non-Christian, there will be boundaries that you don't observe. In fact, you will not observe them because you're not reading from the same script. So when three years later, I walked down the aisle expecting my firstborn, I said to myself, God is done with me. God is done with me. I realized I had made God a book on my shelf. He was not the one who owned my life. And I could have despaired and said it's over and I felt it was over. We went to Mombasa to start our life together and one statement drew my attention and I had somebody say, Emily Obuaka is not a Christian. And that statement alone eked me so much that I said, no, I must settle this issue today. With what I know, I will make a, a step toward the Lord. Stop doing the things I thought him, he objected to. Of course, you know that time I'm not even reading the Bible. We are going to church, yes, to, to tick the box, but beyond that I'm not doing. So I said I will take a step toward the Lord. If he accepts me, then I will come in and live for him. If he doesn't, I will settle it in my heart and I will never again say that I'm a Christian. For you who have ever walked away and come back to the Lord, I took one step toward the Lord. He took an infinite, infinite number towards me and he embraced me and held me and said, my child, I love you. I have always loved you. I never left when you went. And I recommitted my life to Jesus Christ. You know, today I know some of us 
are in a situation where we have compromised in this path of, of our faith. We may have started off enthusiastic, but we know that the rain has been beating us. Some of us have hung our boots and decided, Wacha ni tu. Liwe liwalo. I'm here as the voice of God to call you back to the Father. To call you back to his loving arms because they are outstretched towards you. In the name of Jesus. You know when you look at the passage we are considering today and where Paul was. You know there's nothing like an overnight Christian. He didn't come to the place where he's making the statement he's making. Uh, born again yesterday and today he's this way. And as I studied this passage, a few words sprang out at me. And they were what their water highlighted. The first one I see is that he considered, he looked at what he had left behind. Circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, you know, he is a Hebrew of Hebrews, belongs to be the tribe of Benjamin, and on and on, the CV he described. And he said no. He went on to compare between what he was leaving and what he is coming into, the infinite value of the knowledge of God. And he realized nothing compares with this infinite knowledge of God. But he goes on and it, it goes on to describe how he counted it. <laughs> you know, counting is that now you take a, a keen interest and a keen analysis and decide what I am going to highlight and delete. Everything, everything goes. Everything goes. God is my only identity. And that's where you see him coming to the place where he wants to gain Christ. He, he discards everything to be found in Christ and to become one with him. No wonder he gives the words in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for, uh, to, for me. My brothers and sisters, that is my journey. That is the desire of my heart to be found with Christ, in Christ. Standing on faith in him alone. Where are you? Where are you in this journey? The invitation is have faith in God. The invitation is give it all to him. Hallelujah. I want to finish our time together in just highlighting a couple of things that, um, that, that I have, I have learned um, along this journey of faith. And one will touch on motherhood because I, that is the focus of, of us. And then something else I've experienced along this journey. So we got married with my handsome Dr. William Obwaka. And the Lord blessed our marriage with four daughters. The title of this um, focus is A Quiver Full of Girls. In this journey, so the Lord blessed us. And 
he gave us four daughters. Angie was born as our firstborn. Um, and quickly after that, two years had not even passed. Joanne was born. And then five years later, uh, yeah, that's them. Angie is the one with the red top. Uh, the one on the other side is Joanne Murugi. And then the one near Angie is Dora. And our Gen Z, the youngest, is, uh, is the one next to Joanne. And there are nine years between Dora and Nelly. So you can tell I have three millennials <laughs> and one Gen Z. And there's good life. But you know, when I had my two, the Luhia ladies, the ladies from Luhia land came to me and said, Unajua, you have not started giving, giving birth. You know? As in, you haven't got that boy yet. So keep trying. At our kiwa wasita, keep trying. But I settled in my heart. And you know, it came at, came at a time where I was thinking to myself, okay, did God forget he had given me a boy first? So that when I was told I had a girl and I didn't go for the ones, you know, the scans before. So here is your baby. I realized I was not going to use the name John. But Joan, my heart fell. I can tell you I was, <laughs> yeah, you know Shingo Upande? Shame on me, eh? As you think of the number of people who are longing to have children. But I'm bearing my heart before you. I was disappointed. The Lord ministered to my heart. And said, you know, the Israelites sinned in the desiring to be like other nations. They wanted a man to be their king. Well, the king of kings was their king. And God said, I have a unique plan for your life. And you know, that healed me completely. So when we got Joanne, when we got Dora five years later, I was happy. When we got Nelly, who is a combination of my husband's father's name and my father's name, Nelson and Ellie. Hallelujah. So we called her Nelly. <laughs> we were ecstatic. And they have been a blessing in my life. God has a unique journey of faith for each one of us. The worst thing we could do is look over our shoulders, look over to another lane and wish for what someone else has. Bible says God has good plans for you. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. It is crafted in him before you even began. Hallelujah. That is exciting to me. And my attitude then should be one of gratitude. As it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And God taught me this secret and I have been joyous ever since. Hallelujah. I want to talk about uh, the other matter that has been um, the challenges that have come along the way. And I'm going to talk about two very specific ones. One is pregnancy. As I brought up these dear ones, 
our first two daughters, and this is a testimony we've shared on Hope FM uh, quite liberally. Our first two daughters got their firstborns while they were with us at home, before they got married. And I can tell you it was not easy, especially with the firstborn. Because here I was graduating, I had graduated from Bible school and I had done a special training now. They had set aside some of us leaders to be commissioned to help with leadership. On this particular Sunday, I had been invited to preach at the church and the bishop had been invited to come. And as I waited upon the Lord on what I should minister, the Lord said, you're going to share your journey with your daughter. Oh my goodness. I said, how is this going to be? But I love God. I love God. Because he helped me. He had helped me to glean these treasures on how you walk with someone in brokenness and in a place of struggle. Who doesn't know there's a lot of guilt and shame associated with a situation like this? But God showed me that I must not uh, track back on these three things. On love. Holding my daughter close. Giving her unconditional love. Because who am I to point a finger when God loved me so much and forgave all my sin? All your sin. Unconditional love. And love heals. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love enables one to be made whole again. In Teen Challenge, we only succeed because it is a love home. That's why 83% of those who come to us are healed. We are made from love through love to love. Hallelujah. God taught me that secret. He taught me about light. We must never diminish the light in order to be accepted. The word of God shines forth and gives the standard of righteousness that God desires. We must not make light of what is done and what we think is done. You know, the number of parents, unfortunately, who are winking at a, a son, a daughter moving in with someone and sort of we don't want to see. You must not diminish the light. You must give it as it is. God is holding you as a parent, as a mother to shine the light. But the last thing is life. You don't do life from a distance. You don't send your daughter or son up country so that nobody quite knows what happened. No, it is the life of God flowing out of you into her and into him that will heal. Hallelujah. So love and light and life that will bring wholeness and health. So my daughter gave birth to Yeshua, my first grandson, who is 14 today. A man of God par excellence. Taller than, oh my goodness, he looks down on me now. But the beautiful thing is that he so healed that relationship that I was my daughter's best maid at her wedding in South Africa. Look at that. That God will use the situations of healing to birth a new intimacy and relationship. So that we can walk with our children in the way that God wants. But the second thing is addiction. And addiction, um, I, I may not go into the story of how I 
find myself in this space, but it is really because of the issues in my own family. And you know, as I walked with my husband, who is, has, was, has been in addiction for many, many years, it, it became a thing that was confusing for the children. My daughter has given the testimony that she, she witnessed us going and li lifting holy hands on Sunday. But she witnessed a whole different other cycle of things that was happening in our home. Declare it to you that there have been times we've been separated and we've even attempted to divorce. But God has held us in the place where he says, I am yet the God who raises from the dead. I'm yet the God who heals the broken. I'm yet the God who is able to deliver even from the deepest pit of hell. And so as I stand before you today, God is healing. God is restoring. God is delivering. God is bringing it about. And as he does that, you see he builds me in my own faith. How did the patriarchs inherit the promise? Through faith and through patience. And so I call forth those things that are not to be in the name of Jesus. I declare it will not be that the enemy will have the final say. I stand to declare that God is able in all, all and any circumstance to turn around a situation. I pray God is building up faith in your own situation as I speak these words. Because we are on a journey to see the faithfulness of God manifest in our lives. You know, with my daughter especially, was the pain of seeing her go down and then come back up again. Go down and come back again. She was even as far as going to Bible school. She actually did so well. She was given a full scholarship at the end of the first term because she had straight A's. But the devil is a liar. What that girl contains must eke the enemy. But we stand strong, steadfast in the knowledge that God will bring it through. We lean upon his promise because he who promised is faithful. As I finish, let me just um, talk about uh, the, the four things I have, I have learned as we wrap it up. And so please go to the second last, um, the third last. Please move on with that. Yeah. As I look back on my journey, I realize that the things that I came to, the questions I came, go, go one, one back, one back. You look at your situation that God has allowed you to go through. It may be difficulty, it may be failure, it may be luck, it may be any kind of challenge. And these are questions that may come up in your heart. What did I ever do? I mean, I remember reaching a point where I said, my goodness, Lord, but I've seen people do even worse things than me. I mean, what did I do to land here? Why me? Why not you? <laughs> How long? Again? Will this ever end? I don't know what questions you've asked God. You've whispered in your heart. As you look at situations that seem to mock you. As you declare your faith in God. I'm here to declare a few things as I finish, as I close. 
to the last one now, that there is no issue that God has allowed in your life that he does not grace you for. I realized in my own life, God has graced me so much, not only for the journey in my own family, but even to walk with the men and women in the centers that we, 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 we have. You know, Paul had this thorn in the flesh that he pleaded with God to deliver him out of. And God said, no, I will not take it away. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. God will provide all that you need to tarry in the fire. And when you're done, you will come forth as gold. There will be no smell of fire. But then the second thing is that God grows us in these difficulties. As we tarry in his presence, God will refine us and will make us mature and complete, as it says in James chapter 1. You know, this mature and complete may look like you stand independent. But do you know, as we grow in faith, we become more and more dependent on God. In our normal families, we grow them to leave us. But in the family of God, the more you grow in faith, the more you depend on God. And that is the place of maturity. Let me also say that this place God, the journey of faith God has allowed me to go through, has helped me help many families and, and parents to go through seeing their children, their family members freed. Look at that. Using this thing that was a pain, that was a vexation, that was a challenge, even to give me relevance to help many others. I've also come to an understand in depth about what addiction is. That addiction is not a recurring brain disease as it is called, as it's known in the world. It is the issue, the sin of idolatry that came to a mind that needs to be worked on so that there's transformation. One, once one knows who they are in Christ and then from that position submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. And as you walk in that journey, you become free. There's a book I'm reading just about to finish, Freedom in Christ by, uh, by, by Neil Anderson. Amazing how a man of God, 50 years in alcoholism, was set free by the simple truth about who he is and being able to exercise submission to God, resisting the devil and seeing him flee. I know it to be true that when we focus on God, he brings free. Let's see the next one. The lady who is sitting outside um, selling our books, um, Restoring Broken Lives, uh, the center diary, is Diana Waswa. The lady came into our centers many years ago and she was broken and bound in addiction to alcohol and every manner of drugs. I mean, she had the, the, entire, <laughs> the entire works. She was in crime. Um, what do you call it? Armed crime. They used to steal cars, prostitution, every manner of difficulty Diana was held down by for more than 20 years. But God set her free. Hallelujah. Through the truth, through faith in God, she came free. And the next picture shows her graduating even from Bible school. She's now a pastor and she works with us. Would you want to give God the glory? Hallelujah. 
And the book we are selling, um, uh, um, uh, restore, Restoring Broken Lives, The Center Diary, is just a capture of what we did in the first two years when we opened the Women's Center um, about eight years ago. And just daily logs on how we went through everything we did. Interesting reading, stories of transformation, and you'd love to read it. The money is going to support us to buy our own um, facility. Let me just end with these two statements that I pray will help you just bring it in. It is only as you walk this journey of faith that you'll come to see the purpose of your life and truly fulfill what God put you on earth to do. It's so exciting. I invite you to have faith in God. But the next statement also says that our faith in God is what allows him to manifest his power in and through us. There are so many things that God wants to do in and through us. So my call to all of us, to the mothers and the fathers, the, the ones in waiting, the ones in the process, to all of us, is arise and shine. Your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Have faith in God. May the Lord bless you this morning. May he stir up that faith in you so that you can do all that he put you on earth to do. And as we close the sermon, would you want to close your eyes? Let us believe together. You may be here and you've never started this journey of faith. But even from those few points we've talked about, you don't want to be in the cold, doing life on your own. When God so loved you that he gave his son to die on the cross for you, he's inviting you to begin that journey so that you are free, you're fruitful, and you fulfill the purpose of God in your life. But you may also be here and somewhere along the line, like I did, you, you compromised. And you sort of have been stuck in that place. God is inviting you to come back to him. And just a call to all of us and some of us who may be here and saying, I hear you. I hear you, Lord. I hear you, Lord, and here I am to pursue like Paul was, that I may know you, that I may be with you, Lord. I may be one with you. And if you're making a fresh commitment, even as I stand in the place I am now, stand up to be counted as one that is pursuing this journey of faith with single mind, single focus, even on what God has for you in this life in the name of Jesus thank you we bless you in Jesus name amen amen I thank you so much Emily I've had the privilege of knowing Emily and William for some time and the work that they do as medics in this um, in this country but also uh, during her training in theology at what was called then NIST. And uh, I, I just uh, want us to 
not fail to give anyone who wants to know the Lord a chance, but also just learn one or two things from her, even as we thank her for our ministry. For those of you who um, we, we've, I, I told her to take her time. So for those of you who have to leave, please feel free or to have to pick children. But uh, I just wanted to ask you, uh, Emily, um, this issue of drugs in this country is huge. There are many young parents here. There are those who are single, but they know friends and loved ones who have to face this issue. Probably it was never like that uh, uh, in a few years back. Could you just mention a little bit what, what are the things we need to do as believers? What precautions can we take? And in case any of our children or our loved ones are in, on that journey, how should they handle it? I would also have loved to mention something about the LGBTQ uh, issue because it's an issue that also parents are beginning to face because it seems to be all over in schools. Uh, please, I, I know I'm not prepared you for this but just mention it thank that's you. okay you know as as we think so are we if we see something right we will approach it right what we realize is that there are two ways of seeing these things whether it's lgbtq or addiction they all fall in the category of of idolatry the place where we go off from having Christ in our center. I'm not being simplistic or simple about it, but you consider this. There are two paradigms in the world in terms of how these things are seen. If you see it as a disease, one, you will always be in that situation. You are born in that way and you will always be that way. There is no freedom for you. Secondly, you will have to take medication and drugs. The third thing is those who are expert in your case then are we medical people, the psychiatrists and psychologists. But lastly, you have no responsibility because you are sick anyway. So we leave you to continue and all we can do is pacify or or take you to a rehab but expecting you to come out of that place and go back in the, into the cycle of addiction. The fact is that once we recognize that one, one can have, yes there is, it can eventually be psychosis, it can be a brain disease. But this thing starts in the mind with a choice. And very often we can catch it there so that we are able to deal with someone's mind to bring them back to who they are, whose they are in Christ and help them come out of the shackles of brokenness and bondage. The second thing is they do not need then medication. We are dealing with a very sad case right now where somebody was in addiction for six months and taken to a rehab center. He, he has been there for the last six years. Now he is a, almost a cabbage because of, his, of the medications he's had over the years. Where we could have dealt with it at that stage to help him come into alignment with his maker. The third thing is, then all of us are candidates for people 
for helping people out of the place of addiction and you as parents then are in a very strong position to help your young people. But fourthly, there is true freedom in Christ. I mean, I am, I, I am giving you the statistics. Worldwide, Teen Challenge started 65 years ago with the work of David Wilkerson. Around the world, we have 145 countries that are involved. Our statistics, average success rate is 83%. Can you doubt that? Can you doubt that Christ is the answer? You know? So let us not be too caught up in, you know, quickly getting somebody on medication or diagnosed with all manner of, you know, psychosis and the rest of it. Please be wise to that. What do we need to do? We need to provide our young people an environment to grow in, in faith, to grow to know God, to know who they are in Christ. So that the issues of identity will not be a problem for them as they grow up. Let us display a life of faith as we walk with them. So that they are seeing this is the pattern. We are not just saying we are actually living a life of faith. If we have people who are struggling in addiction. Direct them to where they can get help. Beware of being manipulated by those who are in addiction. Because there are four emotions we talk about where people will make it seem like you know guilt I'm this way because you didn't take me to this school I'm this way because you didn't give me you didn't do all that or it can be sympathy almost making you feel like you think me you think somebody can want to be where I am you know so you you're almost okay we better not touch that dial they'll sort it out the next one is hope telling you that, okay, uh, if you leave me alone, I will sort myself out. But if we had more time, I would tell you the cycle. How does one get to eventually need to come to a center? Because we can intervene at the earlier places. And when I talk of addiction, I'm talking of LGBTQ as well. And any sinful lifestyle that is being made to sound like, you know, need to give them space, you know, what, you know, you need to love, yes. And love will heal because we are made from love through love to love. Have I covered something? <laughs> You're just starting. Like I told you, you're free to leave. Those of you who need to pick your children. But you, you mentioned something that I just want you to, you're a pastor like me, but you're also a medical person and you are a mother, you're a wife. You mentioned something about uh, uh, addiction and, and, and being in a marriage. At what point should one move away from an abusive or a, an addiction or, or a spouse who is addicted? And, and at what point do you stay? And you said you struggle, you struggle with that and all that and even thought of divorce at one point. Um, just, yeah, I don't know what I'm asking, but you know what I'm okay. asking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's been 35 plus years. <laughs> Um, and it, it is never easy and I would never prescribe for one you know God's, God hates divorce um, but as you, st you walk this journey with someone in addiction one display Christ two speak the truth in love 
As in, don't ignore. You know, someone living with someone in addiction is like someone going through grief. So initially, and I am I'm so guilty of this, the first many years of my marriage, like, I'd, are you in addiction? Me, I don't know. But he was there, but we chose not to see it. It was the elephant in the room that we chose not to see. And, you know, so we go on. You know, I'm seeing the children are hurting. You know, if it's occasions of their school, you know, events, he'll not come. You know, they think they're the problem. You know, there are a lot of issues you go through. And you're constantly checking, Lord, how is this? You know, how do I do this? Let me tell you in my own case, very honestly, is initially I was, I was out of it. I mean, as in the first three separations, I engineered and I said, no, too bad. Let the children grow. I am out of here because it's painful. It's very painful. But then God started, you know, when, when he would, you know, it's when, de when death uh, sets us, what do you say? Uh, renders us apart, you know. You can even start praying some bad prayers. And God, I, I sought for forgiveness from God because I came to realize my husband is still around. God must have a purpose for this. And as I waited, God began to teach me, I am going to deal with him. You cannot force somebody who is not ready to give, to give their life to God to there. You know, if the prodigal son father had arrested the process of coming to rock bottom, he may never have come back. So you must realize your only hope is God. And so at some point, my husband even came to Teen Challenge. Came for eight months. By then I was the leader of the women's center. But he was in the men's center. And he came through eight months. And went back into, unfortunately after some time. He went back into Teen Challenge again when I was the executive director. And at that point I said, okay. Where do we take this? And the Lord moved me and, and said, okay, because I had led him there this time, close the door. And I did. I closed the door. I would not allow him back into the home. So he went and languished. He could have died. He actually could have died. And eventually, God did some very direct speaking to me to say, this is the end of this. Come back reunite and I humbled myself and I said whatever it then I say Lord you do your bit I'll do mine but who knows you are not you are, you are not to program God so we came back together but you see he continued in that cycle to the place where um, not so long ago the Lord says now I need you to do a work and so an invitation to a place of consecration. To accomplish what God has for us. So as we speak, he is in Thika and I am in Nairobi. But God has healed our relationship. And we are walking together, looking forward to how God will restore us in the place of submission. And allowing him to lead us to why he brought us together in the first place. So you pick what you will from there because God has a particular journey for you and a particular journey for me.
has this message challenged you we hope that it has been a blessing in your life if you would like to give your life to Christ or talk to or pray with someone kindly reach us on whatsapp 0721 990 880 god bless you